Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, hosted by Justin Bradford and Matt Best. Hello and welcome to Triple P, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, Justin Bradford, Matt Best. And as promised, we have a quick expansion draft reaction episode for you. Hope you enjoyed the Loki episode. I already got some feedback. It was great to hear from some folks as well. And they're demanding more Marvel content, Matt. So need, you haven't seen Black Widow yet, right? No, because the movie theaters were super closed. And now they're kind of open. Yeah, and, and I know for you, just by yourself, you're not going to pay $30 American to be to stream it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I mean, there are other ways to no, see no, it. No, no, no. Don't steal it. I'm not, don't steal content. I didn't say steal. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Borrowing, selective borrowing. Select. Don't even. Don't. Don't give any <laughs> followers ideas of that. But so we'll give a Black Widow one as soon as Matt's able to actually watch it. That's what I replied with to that one tweet as well. It's like I saw. No, as soon as he can watch it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now I swear you better be able to watch Shang Chi, you know, the, for opening weekend or something like that when that comes out. We'll fall. see. Because I, I like. I just don't want to go to the movies by myself, and not a lot of my friends are into like the off mainstream Marvel kind of stuff. I go to the movies by myself all the time. I did it once when I was working and I had a few days off and it Fantastic. was like the most relaxing thing ever. But I also went to this bougie ass um, movie theater in San Francisco and I was like, okay, this is oh, cool. Okay. I don't, bougie. I don't think I can top that. So I just okay, fair. haven't done it since. Okay. Fair. So what was funny today, it's pretty much the entire expansion draft leaked hours before the actual show so we knew i mean we knew it was gonna be callie Yarncroke, which real fun marshawn lynch trying to say callie Yarncroke. oh <laughs> was, yeah it was, was fun but all these leaks happened and i don't all the leaks were right i don't think there were anything that was wrong i mean everything was correct yeah like the only leak that people are up in arms about is the whole kerfoot uh right. leak but there were multiple takes on that i mean i think the one thing we need to address is that they do multiple takes because while it is I'm doing air quotes live right it's not really live it's like live to tape kind of thing where right. a bunch of it's pre-recorded and you're watching the broadcast and the director will be like all right roll playback one and then yep. playback one will be something that has been pre-recorded but it is live on air kind of thing so it, it upsets me that way that it wasn't technically fully live but if it wasn't actually live and the picks were never leaked then you wouldn't get like your candid interviews with guys like Giordano and things like that so I completely understand it I just wish people would shut the hell up and not leak it I know I know and hey if anyone's gonna know about this stuff folks it's Matt he works back in with production for TV yeah so he in sports television not just tv but sports television so he knows all this happens things are quote unquote live all the time i mean for radio with penalty box radio i'll go ahead and say that for preds insiders multiple times on 1025 we pre-record and sometimes yeah. it's like two hours before sometimes it's that morning sometimes it's that afternoon sometimes it's live it's just with pandemic and everything too is when we're able to utilize zoom and do other things to prepare for an actual production it's okay to pre-record. The only thing you hope doesn't happen is something changes with <laughs> recording episodes. And that's why, news. <laughs> that's why Seattle did so many takes with selecting McCann, with selecting right. Kerfoot. Because if a team went up to them and was like, hey, draft this person instead. And they're like, oh, right. damn it. All right, fine. Well, we've got this pre-recorded. It was just papers uh-huh. and fish. Like, it's yeah. not that hard to not pre-record. It's all right. So let, let's discuss the Preds angle of this first. And that we knew it was going to be Callie Garncroke or Colton Sissons, most likely, in terms of 
cap friendly contracts, players that could play up and down the lineup as well, and what's going to be helpful for Seattle. But Cali Earncroke, the the one thing, if anything, that is concerning to me and sad to see him go is that he could really could play anywhere up and down the lineup. He was the Preds' leading goal scorer as well. And I know yeah. it was a short season and weird because you didn't have many players score that many goals, but still. President goal scorer, really friendly contract. He's probably going to do a raise in his next one because they're only going to basically get a year of Yarncroke because you got to think that, I mean, wow, it seemed like so long ago. It doesn't seem like so long ago when they signed him to that long deal for such a cheap price and you, you got plenty out of him. And you think that that basically, I believe, ends the trade tree or maybe there's still one angle of branch going for the David Leguan trade because that's how Cali Yarncroke, remember, folks, came to the organization as they traded an aging almost retiring age David Leguan to Detroit for Cal Yarncroke and what Patrick Eves I think it was it feels like, like so that. long ago yeah so it was so long ago and he was such a great utility player for the Predators and it's it's one of those things I know I said it and Peyton Turnage he's like you called me out it's like I didn't mean to and I said he's not a dime a dozen player because he's not he's not uh, a, a dime a dozen player because of his hockey IQ and defensive responsibility. You can have guys that can play really well on a third line or a fourth line and be a dime a dozen player, but you don't have all these guys that have a good hockey IQ like Cal Yarncroak does to where he is not going to make a blatant, brutal mistake when playing the game. And oftentimes a game will happen and you don't really hear his name called that much, but it's because he didn't have a blaring mistake. (laughs) Yarncroak's a specialist in terms of he's just perfectly sound. Whereas you have right. face-off specialists around the NHL, like your old Dave Steckles kind of thing, your Brad Richardsons, where those guys, I won't say, are a dime a dozen because they're a specialist at something. Yarn Croak is also a specialist at something. When we say dime a dozen, I think we're talking about the plug-and-play guys, like the Olivier's, who can just come in, play their role, which a lot of people can fulfill. Whereas you don't have a lot of Kelly Yarn Croaks in the league where you can slot them in and be like, hey, you're a defensive guy, you must be like the third leg on this line and not really look for those scoring opportunities, but be more of a four checker, be more of a back checker. That's hard to sell to your random Joe Blow who you signed for like $1.2 million. Those are the just plug and play guys. Yarncroak fills a role and a need, and he's like a Swiss Army knife on a lot of teams. That being said, I would not be surprised if Cali Yarncroak is traded at the deadline next year. Or, yeah, this upcoming season because of his contract, because of what he can do, and he would fit perfectly on a lot of teams, especially because Seattle is just going to try and recoup any assets. And I think that's what part of why they took Yarncroke, because they know they can flip him if they need to down the line, if he just has an okay season and just stays healthy. Absolutely. So let's look at this, what it means for the Preds. I mean, changes in the lineup, we already know that you're going to see a spot basically given to Ellie Tolvanen. It looks like a spot's probably going to be right there for Philip Tomasino. Also, Cody Glass will be kind of taking care of a spot there as well. So it opens up a lot. And then you have competition now for some guys like a Rem Pitlick trying to crack the lineup and what he can do. Or maybe he's a guy that maybe gets 20 to 30 games in for the season and he's battling for position. Rocco Grimaldi, who is kind of in the gray area as well too. So that's the good thing. Looking at this, there's going to be some roster battles and competitions that will take place to who's going to make the lineup. But the Preds look very different. They look very, very different now. And and a lot of teams look very, very different. But the Predators overall, because of what they've traded, what's retired, and now what's been lost in the expansion draft, 
look very different from what they have in the past because you have players that are gone now that have been there for a long time. It's not like a player that was there for two years and all of a sudden they're gone. I mean, shoot, even when you think about it, James Neal was not there as long before he was let go in an expansion draft. Cal Yarnko has been there in the organization a long time. Victor Arvidsson was in the organization a long time. Ryan Ellis, a very long time. Pecorine, a very long time. That is in terms of a core, a core group. Not that Cal Yarnko was necessarily the core, but he is considered that now when you think of all the players that have been there for a long period of time. They're gone, so there is going to be a culture change. It is going to be interesting to have uh, less Swedes yeah. <laughs> in the locker room now, and I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, it, It's a business, they understand, but that will affect how Philip Forsberg and Matthias Ekholm, things like that, you know the Swedes would hang out. It's just natural to hang with your countrymen oftentimes like that too. So it does change the culture of the locker room, the look and feel of it as well. And if anything, flipping that, uh, Matt, in terms of Seattle, is there anything that surprised you, even with the leak or any any pick that surprised you where you're like, hmm, I really thought they would have taken this guy, not necessarily because of the cap hit, but because you thought they'd be a better fit for Seattle for their future and what they wanted to do? Carey Price, Carey Price, Carey Price. I will beat yeah. on that drum forever. That I, I, I don't want to call a move stupid, but I think it was just ill-advised. People are like, oh, they have so much cap space now. Even if they took on Price's contract, they'd still have so much cap space. They stayed away from uh, JVR. They stayed away from all these expensive guys. Like, I mean, they took Jordan Eberle, which was kind of confusing to me Giordano I think everyone saw coming but you look up and down it's like RFA RFA 750k 825k so on so forth kind of thing I mean when Jared McCann is one of your most expensive guys right now with a contract you could have picked up Carey Price um it's not that Carey Price is like the going to be the savior of that team if he went there but he would have given that team a chance to win every single night. And people are saying he's washed up, he's washed up. I feel like if you're saying he's washed up, you've only watched the last season of hockey of Carey Price. Because that's the only season where he's truly been like, uh-oh, is this the decline? <laughs> and then in the playoffs, he kind of went, everyone shut the hell up. I'm still good at hockey. Yeah, his contract sucks. I am in the vast minority of the mindset of you don't pay goalies long-term contracts i think you can always find a new goalie through your system or through free agency and it's it's never really worked out signing a goalie to a long-term deal look at bobrovsky it just uh. doesn't work that way um with carrie price though would have sold seats in a heartbeat you would have had a legitimate face of the franchise i mean it's no knock on um mark giordano because he is now the face of the franchise that's it he is He's probably going to be the captain. He's like the marquee pick out of everyone so far. I just... They're doing it the long way. The super, super long way. Whereas Vegas kind of did it the quick way. They got some marquee players to start off. And when Flurry gave them a chance to win every single day, they were like, okay, I guess we can kickstart this MFR and get better people. In comes Mark Stone. In comes Max Pacioretty. They switched from, yeah, we're kind of in like the five-ish to eight-ish year full rebuild mode to, oh boy, we're good. We're a couple pieces away. Let's go get those pieces. Now it feels like they have a gluttony of just assets, and now they're just going to go, okay, what do I, how do I combine all this together and what do I send it out for kind of thing. There's a lot of players I like, like the Vince Dunn's of the world I like. I thought that was a great pick. Um, 
I did like the idea of taking the flurries. I mean, Kale Flurry wasn't my second pick from the uh, Habs, but if they were committing to this cheap ass way of getting a bunch of cheap players, then <laughs> I'm fine with that. I love the Alexiak pick. I think he's gigantic and quick, which you don't see anymore. I find it hilarious how Adam Larson said no, no, no to the Edmonton Oilers and signed the exact same contract with the <laughs> Seattle Kraken. That made me laugh too. There's a lot more that I liked from this draft compared to what I hated, but the one thing that I didn't like the most just trumps it all. So I, I'm just sour about right. I, I really wanted to cheer for Carey Price, to be quite honest. It's really hard to cheer for Carey Price when you're from Toronto, <laughs> and watching him in the playoffs, all of me is like, Oh, he's so good. I can't say that too loud. But if he went to Seattle, like that's the time where I go, all right, I can like I can gloat about how good this guy is. But no, he's stuck in the habitant. So let's remember too, and I have to remind people of this all the time with, with Vegas and probably now Seattle. Las Vegas, the Golden Knights were an anomaly. Yes. With what happened that season. They were anomaly. And I, and I say this all the time because people get so upset about what happened with Las Vegas in their season and how they made a, a run to the final and just saying the, the, the league did this. They set up to win. They set up to win. Folks, go back to instant analysis from expansion draft night. Go back to analysis a few days after it and look at what most of the experts were saying about the Las Vegas team and how they should be competitive, but can't see them making a deep run. I mean, they still just have a lot of pieces missing. They may be on the, uh, could be a, a wild card more than anything else, but they, they should be competitive. Maybe not last place, but they probably won't do anything else. They make this deep run. They, they were special. That's why I say it's an anomaly. It's something that is not likely to be repeated. They had multiple reasons why they came together. They had, they faced community tragedy, which brought them together instantly as well. And I mean, I don't know if I say what better way, but what a way to come together when your community faces tragedy that you know you're playing for your city as yeah. well. And you you have to do whatever it takes to give the, your community something to cheer for in the time of the tragedy. They came together with a big chip on the shoulder because of the first expansion draft of the salary cap era as well. When you look at that too, it was, it was everything was different as well. So there was major chips on shoulders of guys, whereas you didn't see that as much in the late 90s expansion draft because it was different back then i mean it really was fourth liners that was out there and they knew they knew whereas here gms were a little bit more unique in terms of who they're protecting and that if a guy was chosen that maybe didn't expect it there's a chip on their shoulder in vegas and even seattle now but really looking at the seattle lineup matt they will be okay yeah but they're playing for a top five draft pick they'll be it would shock me if they contended for the playoffs. It wouldn't shock me if they contended for a top three pick. And I, yeah. like, I want to circle back to what you said about Vegas too. Vegas on paper, like their marquee players were Flurry, Marcheseau. No one knew that William Carlson was going to explode on the scene. Not a single person right, there. Right. Um, when Shea Theodore was traded in exchange for not uh, selecting. Uh, or for in, in exchange for selecting Clayton Stoner instead of some of the other younger guys on the team, nobody knew that Theodore was going to pan out that well. Same thing with getting Alex Tuck. He's like he was the big power forward in Minnesota who kind of wasn't working out, and then Vegas was like, "Okay, big boy, go play now." And he's been a perfect middle six forward for that team. Nobody knew he was going to actually pan out. There are so many things where it just has to go absolutely right in order for it to come into fruition. And I think we need to wait out another couple of days to see what trades trickle in. 
for these conditions the same way that Vegas had to wait it out. Because looking up and down this lineup for what Vegas had to start, I mean, it's not great. Calvin Pickard, Brendan Leipzig, like old James Neal, David Perron, Mark Mathot, like it's not good. Clayton Stoner, <laughs> Emelyn, Griffin Reinhardt, like they had some shots in the dark here. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, it, it just wasn't a great draft. Whereas I feel like Seattle, a lot of their players have more upside compared to these guys in the past, like proven upside. Whereas Vegas was like, well, Griffin Reinhardt needs a change of scenery. He might do well here. Well, Brendan Leipzig, before he was an asshole, was like, well, he might be good here. Let's see what happens. And it just didn't work out. Vince Dunn is good in St. Louis. He just didn't really have a long leash in St. Louis, and he'll get a long-ass one here to run the power play with Mark Giordano. There's a lot of good picks that I like in Seattle. But, yeah, top. I say They finish anywhere between 24th and 32nd is my guess. Bottom eight. Okay, and and here's the thing. Even if they finish 24th or something like that, for an expansion team, that's fine. That's good. It's competitive. You just want competitive hockey. Yeah. And that's what we thought with Vegas, too, that they'd be competitive. They're not going to get blown out of games. And that's what the expectation was. You set them up for a better future and not setting them up to be instantly good. The, the fact that a lot of folks say, well, they're just setting these teams to be instantly good. No. Well, number one, they paid to be competitive. And all the owners of every NHL team reap the benefits of this. Seattle paid over $600 million to join the league. Vegas paid half a billion dollars, so $500 million, and the teams benefited from that payment. Now, it's not to say you can't not, you, you, you can absolutely not like the system, but they're not setting them up to be a cup contender right off the bat. It was set up to make them competitive to where you're not having the typical expansion draft era teams where they're getting blown out 4-1, 5-1 in every game and just not looking competitive. This team will look like an NHL team, but it'll look like a team that's in the rebuilding mode, yeah. which is totally fine. But they'll be competitive, just like Detroit is in rebuilding mode. But they didn't get blown out of every game this past season. They were competitive, and sometimes they'd squeak one out. That's what you want. You don't want them to look like complete, you know, poop on the ice you want them to be competitive because it helps with bringing in the fans and attracting new fans and growing the game as well and granted i think the game is going to be very healthy in seattle seattle is a very fun sports town they're very very excited about their sports up there with the seahawks and with and with major league soccer as well you have natural rivalries are gonna be there which is with vancouver which is gonna be fun to see those games and hey their first game is at vegas and then their first home game is against vancouver that's that's gonna. Be, I'm glad the NHL kind of set it up with those storylines, and then at the first game is against like the Islanders, or yeah. something like that. Like Minnesota's coming to town. It's like yay, great. Uh, but they they set it up right, and I think it's gonna be fun. And they, it's set up to be competitive, and that's you don't see a diluted product at all either. Like before, you would see a diluted product, but the game has grown so much, and you have so much so much of a European influence now too that there's more talent to choose from. So you don't see diluted product in the entire league when it's one player leaving. And yeah, Carly Yarncroke gets stinks to lose him, but they can, a team can afford to lose a Cali Yarncroke. They truly can overall. That is not going to be a detrimental thing to the national predators and be the reason why they don't win games. The reason why they don't win games is because you have overpaid players not producing that they should say so they can't score goals. <laughs> can't, yeah. Cause they can't score goals. You have $8 million guys not scoring goals. Yeah. That's the problem. That's why they're not going to win games. Not because of Cali Yarncroke. He is going to be a, a good piece for Seattle, but they got some star quality players 
that can be a good name for them. They also got some some prospects in there as well. So one thing I wanted to ask you too, just because I saw some Carolina fans not happy with this, and that they took Oregon Geeky instead of Jake Bean. I thought that was kind of curious because I think everyone is kind of pointing towards Bean. Bean, Bean I, I think Bean has a way higher ceiling. I just right. think Geeky can slot in right now, but you don't need him to slot in right now. Right. You can have Jake Bean and go, you're going to play second pairing. You're going to play some third pairing here. Bean has always just been pushed down and down and down that Carolina uh, depth chart on defense because they have one of the best decors. They're very good. They all fit the certain mold of puck moving quick, puck moving quick, puck moving quick and like active sticks. And they don't need to be a big body. Whereas Jake Bean is like, I can do that too. Let me play and has <laughs> never had the opportunity, but instead they go out and they draft like Jamie Alexiak. I love that pick. Like I said, but Hayden flurry, instead of drafting Hayden flurry or no, the Susie pick. I love, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Vince Dunn, like, yeah, they have a pretty stacked up top six that are all NHL ready. And you can tell that Seattle emphasized defense going after guys like Adam Larson hard and pursuing that contract and making sure they get it done. But I think Jake Bean's a guy that you take a stab on and you have sitting around. The worst thing that happens is he's your fifth or sixth defenseman and can jump into that top four role if you really need him to. I just think there were other opportunities where they could have taken um, just like for sure picks and stabs in the dark. But Jake Bean was the one that I really, really wanted to see go there. That's the one that... I'm like top five most upset I got wrong. I definitely <laughs> thought price was going, but I like Jake Bean too. I was like, there's no way they don't. Cause if you're building a franchise, what do you want? Young, good people who just need a chance kind of thing. Not the Griffin Reinhardt's the Jake beans. Right. All right. So folks, I, I want to know what you think about this and not just necessarily the Cal Yarncrook thing, but overall in terms of Seattle, put it down on Twitter right now, what you truly think the Seattle Kraken are made of. If you if you want to go ahead and call it and say yeah they're going to be a playoff team because the league gifted it to them fine go ahead and say that now and then we can look in at the end of the season we can look in April of 2022 <laughs> if I really want to go back that far it's going to take too much work oh, on my just, part just the search yeah just a quick search and let's see go ahead and make your shot now call your shot Matt and I have called ours where we think they're going to, to place. And there's that. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere in Seattle with what they're doing up there. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere. Seattle fans are, are crazy. And, I mean, it'd be great to see them get their NBA team back oh, yeah. uh, and, and get that going, too. Uh, Seattle's a huge, huge metro area. And hockey's been there. I mean, hockey's been there for, for a long time. And plus, they've had junior hockey going, too. So it's going to be curious to see how that grows in terms of the market itself with youth hockey, high school hockey, uh, adult hockey even more because that's just what happens when you have your NH an NHL team there. It grows the sport tremendously with community outreach and grassroots campaigns. So make your call right now what you think is going to happen with the Kraken. And who knows, maybe we're going to we're, we're probably going to see more moves happen once the roster freeze lifts on Thursday. So you're probably listening to this and maybe moves have already been made uh, on Thursday, but the roster freeze is going to lift and we're going to head right into the NHL draft and then it'll be right into free agency. So I fully expect some things to happen at the draft as well. The one thing, the report that I saw over and over and over again was that David Poyle was trying to push Matt Duchesne onto the Kraken, and bravo to the Kraken for not being stupid. No, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't want that. And I, all the comments that I've seen today are people like, why didn't he push Johansson? It's like, well, because Matt Duchesne is just 
or no, they were they were pushing Johansson and not Duchesne. And it's like, why didn't they push Duchesne? It's because he has no value. They're Johansson no, has a bit that. of value. They're not going to take either. And I'm just very happy that we don't have to eat poop here because we both were very adamant that Seattle would not take any of the anchors. Just it was not it was not feasible. No, to do that if they're not going to take a pipe dream. No. It, it, like I would have been throwing things if they didn't take Carey Price and were like, "Yeah, that cap space, Matt Duchesne." We've been like, "What the <laughs> f- is going on here?" <laughs> so they do have plenty of cap space. That's why I think something's going to happen. They're probably going to utilize something. I, I don't expect every single player the Kraken chose in this expansion draft to still be a Kraken by Sunday. No, I don't no. either. There, there's going to be more moves in there uh, for the, the Kraken. So I'm very curious who's going to – I love it when this happens like this with the draft because it means that everyone's going to be hyper-focused on the NHL draft. Well, unless you're watching the Olympics uh, because the draft is going up against the Olympics in the opening ceremony. So that's going to be curious there too. Oh, ESPN, I'm curious about ESPN ratings. All these leaks happened, and they had yeah. this on, on ESPN. That was, then, uh, that was a broadcast today. Yeah, and then you have the first <laughs> round of the NHL draft supposed to be on ESPN two competing with the opening ceremony of the Olympics. So there's there's also that. Uh, but I mean ESPN's trying. They they are trying and also funny as well before we wrap up here. Really, really hilarious how on Facebook I got the notification that the NHL on NBC changed their name <laughs> to NBC Sports Bet. <laughs> Oh, it's weird. So, so instead of creating a new page for this, they just switch it over. We have all these NHL and hockey fans liking your page to just overall sports bet. So I'm I'm very curious as to how much that page is hemorrhaged likes and follows based on that notification because it's an ugly logo. Yeah, it's it's awful. It was hilarious because I instantly like I, you know me. I, I'll do some sports betting and talk about it when I have to, but I'm not in that game as much. You're very much into it, and that's why I just lean on you when people have questions about that. Yeah. So why would I follow NBC Sports Betting? I <laughs> I don't like big companies doing betting. It's just mm-hmm. not a good product. And I mean, yeah, I don't even follow them anymore. I must have unfollowed it because it probably came up. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> But yeah, no, I just, that's a whole other conversation about the betting markets and everything. Yeah, um, it, it, I, it I would like to see for the next episode if I can find a line for the Kraken on where they would finish. Because I bet you I can find that on a book, and then maybe we can chat about that. Okay. All right, and then if you're able to go and find what Vegas thought the Knights were going to finish right after their expansion draft, that'd be cool. Mm. I'm not sure if that's out there, yeah, but I if anybody's going to find it, yeah, yeah. you're going to be the one to be able to find that. Yeah, I could probably find that. <laughs> All right, so our next episode, we'll have another day off, and then we'll be recapping oh, – sorry, two days off because we're going to recap the entire NHL draft instead of just round one. We're going to recap the entire NHL draft. And as a reminder, again, folks, too, I'll be making an appearance on the naturalpredators.com stream, talking with uh, Willie Donick and Chris Mason to give some analysis there. So, hey, would appreciate you giving that a watch and spiking the numbers when I'm hitting that. That's going to be Ooh. around 830 8.40, whenever the Predators make their pick, I'll be joining for in some instant analysis after that. So I'll be doing a lot of preparation work. And I'll go ahead and say this before folks even ask. This draft is a crapshoot. We, we've talked about that multiple times here, Matt, where if people are like, you should take this, they should take this player, they should take this player. It's with rankings. If you want to throw darts, this is the year. This is the year. You, 
this is the year to where a second or third round pick could be a guy where they should have been taken the first round. We yep. just don't know. We There's not enough of a sample size from this past year of play for anyone to really get an idea of where these players stand in their development. So this is a true crapshoot, and it's really going to be curious to see how every team evaluates players because there's no doubt in my mind you're going to see players jump 15, 20 spots or fall 15, 20, 30, 40 spots like, based on individual analysis. This draft is such a crapshoot that last year Josh Doan, Shane Doan's son, wasn't selected at all. And now this year, after he had like a decent growth spurt, He's now slotted in like early second round. Yeah. Like, what is happening here? The pandemic. And that's why earlier on, there were some people saying of just skipping this year's draft and, and pushing it to the next season. But obviously that's not happening. Yeah. So we'll be curious to see what the Predators do in terms of how they want to build this. It, even where they're at, it's still best available player who they believe is best available. Not who you think is best available, folks. It's who the Predators think is best available on their boards and who they have there. So it could be... It could be so many different players, especially where they're picking. It's going to be really difficult to tell until you get to probably pick 15, 16, 17 of who you might be leaning in towards if you see some guys falling and they take a flyer. There's a guy be, so, yeah. you, know those, you know those comparison things where it's like comparable NHL player? Oh, God. Uh, so many of them are going to be like third liners and people are going to be, why'd we draft this? And oh, it's going to yes. be that way for the longest so, time and it's going to make me happy. And, and as a reminder, the Predators have eight picks in this draft as of the recording of this. Who knows? That could change. Round two, which is nice. They have two second-round picks. So, again, another year with two second-round picks, one of those being from L.A. with the Arvidsson trade. So they have pick 40 and 51 overall in the second round, which I think is really nice to have the pick 40 and also pick 19. And then they have two fourth-round picks, uh, one of those uh, coming from Colorado via Ottawa. <laughs> with the Kyle Turris thing. That's how long ago that, I mean, that's how long it had to wait to, to get to that. So two fourth round, two second round, no seventh round picks. Woo. No seventh round picks. <laughs> Spooky. Uh, so what this does too, and it might as well give that quick thing before we get out of here. It gives flexibility having that many picks, especially two second rounders gives them flexibility if they want to move up or say they want to fall back and then trade later. It gives them a lot of flexibility in the draft to have those, to have three picks in the first 50. So uh, 51 picks is really good for the predators because they could move that second, the one of the second round picks for something else, whether it's to move somewhere or for a player to throw it in with the package, who knows? Uh, I like that opportunity for them because they have flexibility. Yeah. And they could like honestly move to the next draft too. If there's yes. a team all horned up that wants to take someone in the second round where Nashville is, then yeah, take the pick and give Nashville another pick next year in the draft. That's that's all A-OK. Like you said, that's yep. the joy of having flexibility and the joy of having a eh kind of draft. Next year's draft, we'll have a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, make sure you tweet us. He's at Best of Matt. I'm at Justin B. Bradford. Also, Triple P Podcast underscore and on Facebook at Triple P. Uh, Preds, Pucks, Panoy. So, as always, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you after the draft here on Triple P Podcast. For Matt Best, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.